Hello. Hi. Hi, well, Andrew. Hello, Samuel. It's uh it is Sunday. It is November, December. Sorry. Did, did I put November in the title? I think I mistitled our latest episode. Well, guess what? Everyone that didn't have a calendar is definitely confused. Also, why are you going by our podcast by knowing what calendar day it is? I don't know. I'm I'm a fool. I'm just looking at this is we're going to start this episode on the greatest of foot in which I yep, I said November 9th instead of December 9th. I'll go and edit that. Sorry to the world. Um man we're we're off to a good rip roaring professional start here on film Mary my name is andy mitchell my name is sam lounsbury and uh, we are two goofy boys who talk about movies we watch and force each other to play fuck Mary kill with them we're doing something a little different this episode given that we had a bit of a delay uh with our previous episode and we probably don't have a huge selection of movies we've watched in the past what four days since we last recorded we were last recorded yeah. on Wednesday. it's a sunday now so did you did you lock eight movies i didn't in like that it. time <laughs> thank I'm you i'm looking at your list and it was like like i don't think there are amount of times and hours of the day for you well, to have seen all these films okay let's let me try to let me try to answer this and maybe you can this will become subject to fuck mary kill later so the last time we recorded on the ninth the last thing i'd watched right before we recorded that evening was that uh that uh small axe film red white and blue so then yeah. the next day i watched the secret of roan inish okay mm-hmm. here's other thing i I'll, I'll log some long things i watched once they're finished so Oh yeah. So that oh, night, okay. so that night, I watched a bit of this uh, live stream that was loggable, uh, a concert film for the band Parquet Courts, and I finished that when I got up in the morning and started doing work. Then I did the last episode of City So Real, and now that I've completed City So Real, I was like, all right, now I'm logging it. So nice. there was that. Then I watched all of the world. It was still a busy day. Yeah, uh, of course, did, of course. I did watch all of the world according to Garp. And then after trivia spotting that night, Colette was, wanted to stay up late and watch a movie. Um, and because, ooh, fun fact, I, I didn't meet her. She wasn't on my team, but I was in the Zoom room with uh, director Nia DaCosta, who is uh, the director of the forthcoming uh, spiritual sequel of Candyman that Jordan Peele produced and co-wrote. So What? Yeah, she's she seems like a cool cool person. Um, oh, but anyway, man. we watched the original Candyman, and then I watched uh, another episode of Small Axe. And um, so yeah, I did not eight, but I I understand your concern. I, <laughs> I I'm glad I could clear the record on that. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I will make sure you set those all to Congress, <laughs> so they'll be able to keep a record for it. Um, that would be that would be good. I would like to be. Uh, I would like to be immortalized that way. Um, I know we talked about some news last time around, uh, but I only want to comment on it in insofar as to say, I, I surprisingly have very little reaction to the news of all the Star Wars and Marvel things coming out on Disney Plus. Like, oh, you know, I've watched a, a lot Wars of trailers. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So, th- so there's a bit of a difference between us here. <laughs> Not necessarily. You probably have the same feelings as I do about them. I don't know. I don't, I a, don't really know what's all coming out. Like that was the other fun surprise thing too, is they mm-hmm. made the announcement. 
think like, yeah, that the day before that Ms. Uh, Ms. DaCosta was going to be directing uh, Captain Marvel 2. Mm. So uh, people were, I think people were talking about various things in our breakout rooms during trivia about news items. And I was just, or, oh no, what was the thing I learned? It was the, that Chris Evans was going to be Buzz Lightyear in a thing. And I was very confused what everyone was talking about. I was like, what is this? But I, had, I quickly was like, is this all like investor day stuff that just came out that I weirdly ignored? And so it was, I was just say IP gonna IP. That's all I could say. <laughs> yep. Executives gonna IP all over the place. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I though, uh, I'm not as cynical about Buzz Lightyear. Oh no. Remake or like, I guess it's a, it's an in like training thing. It's like a, a I, I depends. Yeah. It, it's like Buzz Lightyear training session. And I like, I, did you watch the Disney channel original Buzz Lightyear cartoon? And I did not. There is actually a lot more legs on that than you expect for a cheap Disney cartoon. <laughs> it's like space Rangers, I guess. Space rescue Rangers. Do you remember that? Um, I remember Chip and Dale rescue Rangers. Yes. It's like that, but in space, baby. It's, it's funny because one of the running jokes uh, about that news in the trivia thing I did um, was the distinction of whether, now is Chris Evans playing Buzz Lightyear the toy or Buzz Lightyear the person? And we're all laughing like, the person? <laughs> so, <laughs> like the historical figure, right. Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> right. that's been in our childhood. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, hey, so... You, another thing to do before oh. to sort of a, a main subject of the show. Um, you have sent me this uh, Amazon package that you would I like did. me to open on air. I did. Uh, thank you for giving Jeff Bezos the shout out, though. Uh, oh, sure. I'm sorry. This uh, particular online realtor. <laughs> They're not an advertiser. And frankly, they, they should fucking act better. Um, <laughs> but I'm opening it now. Is a thin brown paper package, a little, I'm betting it's a digital video disc or a Blu-ray. You, you might be right on both accounts. And it is. An, oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Read the I card. Have a meowy Christmas from Sam. It just says actually have meowy Christmas. There's no A in there. So God bless you, Sam. I, know. I have a Blu-ray <laughs> copy of Cats. <laughs> I said it loud enough so my beloved fiance Colette could hear and I don't know if that picked up on Mike but she just went no <laughs> but I, you, a happy, Merry Christmas man and also I am so sorry Colette <laughs> <laughs> no no man we're gonna oh here's here's something that I'm gonna I, I may cut out of this podcast or I may just leave in we have a friend who's starting an edibles business and they're and when they told me about this business they said i'll send you some samples so i think i know what we're gonna do with those samples send them to me (laughs) so oh i wish we could but quarantine oh no mail still works (laughs) why can't the mail work you know what? We'll test them out and maybe, maybe I, I feel bad that I don't have a gift for you, but I don't know if this is a gift. <laughs> it's more of a curse. Yeah, boy, I, I, it's been in my HBO Max queue, but now I guess I can mercifully take it out of the queue and 
I guess look at this, look at this Blu-ray of cats with my beloved while I'm, tripping <laughs> balls. I, I can't wait for you to watch it with the audio commentary. That's where I really no, there's commentary on this show. Is there? Oh god, I hope there is. There is, yes, there is feature commentary. With who? It doesn't say. Uh, um, it's got anyone that showed up. <laughs> like the sound engineer for the recording studio is just like. Yeah, that's a weird scene. Why'd you feel that? Oscar-winning director Tom Hooper transforms Andrew Lloyd Webber record-shattering musical into a cinematic event. Starring James Corden, Judy Dents, Jason Derulo, Idris Elba, Jennifer Hudson, Ian McKellen, Taylor Swift, Rebel Wilson, and introducing Royal Ballet Principal Francesca Hayward with a world-class act cast of dancers showcasing styles from classical ballet to contemporary hip-hop to jazz, street dance to tap, this film reimagines the stage musical for a new generation. You will believe in the fun and magic of cats. They, they should put a caveat, like a little asterisk next to Hooper's name, just to say, oh, it was for the King's speech. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, you I'm didn't just, win it. I'm just marveling at this too, because Taylor, because at the back, there's an image of Taylor as, you know, sexy cat wearing heels for some reason. Um, and having oh God, how does that work? I don't I don't know. Are they cat I, heels? Dude, they 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 look like just normal normal furry level heels. Um It's I don't know, man. They look like little they look like they have toes on them. I know. And again, I'm not saying that to judge the furry community. I I I learned semi semi recently that someone uh I'm I'm kind of fond of like uh, acquaintances with through various other interest groups. Um, is out and proud furry, 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 you know what? And God bless them. That's all I'll say. Um, hey, they're yeah, we're not, not, we're not here to kink shame. We're yeah, not. They, he, they're not harming anybody. And Frank, so have, go with God, my friend. This is going to be such a weird disjointed episode. <laughs> this, this is, is going to be, this is going to be like the lost episodes that they're going to, we're fans are going to talk about this. Like. This is where they all shift, man. This is definitely for the fans. This, which is to say, this is specifically for Matt Mitchell. <laughs> Can we release this for fans only sites? Like, we'll start an OnlyFans. Oh, this is all I've wanted. <laughs> this is what this is what our parents always dreamed that this would be. You know, Coletta's reminded me again that I want to. Uh, I we probably should have more social media outlet for this small fledgling podcast. And yeah, you know, we'll talk about it. After our last episode, we were trying to discuss, because I wanted to get back into our regular rhythm of recording on the weekends, getting an episode out uh, early in the week. Um, but knowing that we ha probably haven't watched that much uh, since then, you know, me being the exception, being the overachiever. Yes, um, me being a lazy stoner that I am. I <laughs> uh, we suggested a few things. We're going to try to play a fuck, Mary kill of sorts. I have at least some possible categories that I want to throw your way, Sam. I don't know if you prepared, but you had the good idea to talk about uh, blind spots, movies that uh, neither of us have seen, but feel like we should have seen. Yeah, these are films that, uh, that are just, there's so many hours in the day and so many years in our lives right. that we, there's things we're just going to miss. And there a lot of things are like, um, I don't know about your list, but my list is mainly uh, very old films. Uh, this is like anything like 19, anything before 1990. Uh, uh, oh, wow. you just, just say I haven't seen. 
Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I, I'm also sort of laughing now, not again, not to shame you for this because you are a little bit younger than me. Um, but Just I remember, well, <laughs> I remember I, I liked old movies growing up as a kid. I remember my dad exposed me to Turner classic movies. And I also made a, a good friend in grade school. Shout out to Ken McCullough if he listens. Um, we also enjoyed old, his, his dad also loved like old war movies and such. And we liked Marx Brothers together. Um, and I just remember he told me a story about being in uh, a class in our high school and saying that like, oh, I, I really like old movies. And someone else in class was like, I love old movies too. And Ken was like, oh, cool. What kind of old movies do you watch? Like, have you seen the Marx Brothers? And it's like, oh, I don't mean like black and white movies. I mean like 80s movies, which is like, it's not old movies. <laughs> but I've also, I've ran into people like that that just do not watch old movies. If it's black and white, it's not a, a point of shame for them. It's more of a, a point of pride. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm a modern movie man. I love, like, I, I can't watch anything that like yeah. is maybe over two hours or in a different language. And like, I think that's just xenophobic. Like, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I have very mixed feelings about it. Cause as you say, I have sort of a reflexive kind of disdain toward that level of thinking i feel like that's prevented me from i i think he's fun to listen to on podcasts and i bet if i actually give his books a chance i might find a lot of enjoyment in them but i thought i'd overheard like shay serrano talk about how like he doesn't care for like old black and white movies or they don't speak to him and i think it, it's fair to feel like look certain levels certain eras don't speak to me as much as say the the movies of my youth or movies that remind me of that I understand. I also understand too that like my dad is my dad and with few exceptions far in between, he generally doesn't want to do a lot of reading while he watches a movie. That's not why he watches movies. So foreign films are going to be a bit of an ask for him. He did like Parasite, I think, but, and he did take us to see Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon when we were in high school. So, um, but I think, but I think he also slept through a good chunk of it. So <laughs> That was another thing for a while that movies were for my dad. Just a chance to take a nap. Like, oh, they're quiet. They're safe. I can finally rest. I, I'm going to tangent because one of my all-time favorite memories of my dad involves going to the movies. Um, I was in high school. I was I, I was unfortunately kind of like a sometimes a lonely kid and like didn't this despite having a lot of siblings and like a decent number of friends. Sometimes I would just find myself like alone and not knowing what to do. Um, and one night I was just home on a Friday night just by myself. And it was just me and my dad. And my dad's like, do you want to go see a movie? So we went to see <laughs> The Mummy Returns, which not a great movie. I don't remember much from it, but we liked the first mummy. And the memorable part of this movie was that in front of us, like a couple rows ahead of us, literally directly, like were two teens who were on a date, guy and a girl, and they were making out for most of the movie. And my dad kind of like nudges and points them out. And I go like, oh, geez. And so he takes our popcorn and he starts quietly like throwing it and it lands in like their hair, but it's popcorn. They don't feel it. <laughs> so we are throwing little bits of popcorn in their hair. And by the end of the movie, they get up and like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I imagine, I don't know if this is true. I was just reading something uh, with, with my, uh, with my fiance about the fallibility of memory. So maybe this was entirely not true, but the story I like to tell is that they were like, what the hell? Where did all this popcorn come from? And dad and I were just like, <laughs> and like running away from the theater. You little gremlins you yeah 
just create mischief together. The Mitchell uh, boys. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Anyway, blind spots. So yeah, you, have, you picked a lot of old movies that, you know, we're both cinephiles that you'd like to see. I also kind of picked some old movies, but um, I kind of put them at least a couple. There's a couple of categories for some of them. Uh, oh, there, there, there's some that are like indi- that are like compound, like uh, compound slots for me as well. Like there's cool. some that are like there's there is a western on my list, but I'll there are, it's representative of all of the westerns that I haven't seen because that's that's just a blind spot for me in general. Mm-hmm. I I grew up in Idaho. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that part of the part of this country. Is that is that is are you sure it's Idaho or, or is it Montana? Uh, I I did more research. I think I'm actually from Wyoming. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I I called my parents. They said we don't know where you are. You know what's uh, great is that you spread a lot of land. Then that way, those are those are our three most uh, most big states. <laughs> most I, big. <laughs> This episode is fucked. <laughs> I I can't wait for National Geographic to release the most big awards because yep. I think Montana and Wyoming are neck and neck. They're they're in the running for sure. But be careful, <laughs> careful. Alaska is the real real favorite for that. Oh God. I guess I'll start uh, with this 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 category of blind spots that I'm calling, look, I'll get to it. Based on some of like what's in my watch list and kind of what's been, interest has been sparked from all the stuff I've watched this year. Um, there are blind spots uh, from classic directors such as uh, Spike Lee and Alfred Hitchcock that, uh, and Ozu that I know like, look, I'm going to get to this eventually because I'm gonna, I'm gonna work through it either by going through another like list of greatest films of all time, or maybe Ebert's great movies eventually. But I know I'm interested in finally seeing Malcolm X. Um, there's some classic Hitchcock that I still haven't seen, like Rebecca, but uh, friend of the show. And third, <laughs> I'm going to give him a new nickname eventually. Matt Mitchell, my beloved brother, gave me uh, the Hitchcock Truffaut in your book link interview book last year for Christmas that I've been meaning to like, read and watch all his movies through it. So, and I, mm. I started doing that a little bit earlier this year. Like I watched some real early, like I watched The Lodger, like his first like truly good silent film. But I feel like I, those are blind spots, but then I, I feel like it's it's fair to say that they they will eventually come up in, 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 my, in my watching. I just realized I'm looking at my list. There's one that I don't, I think this one will eventually come up too, even though it didn't fit another category, but um, probably one of my biggest blind spots, like a classic film that a bunch of people have cited that I still have never seen is The Adventures of Robin Hood, the one with Errol Flynn. Still Wait, seen what it. friends are, are like nagging you about this? Okay, so no one's like nagging me directly, but every time someone brings it up in a podcast and I feel like these people are my friends. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have... <laughs> If if Sam, Josh, and Adam from Film Spotting aren't my friends, what do I have? That's that's fair. Do you also think the cast of Bod Pod Save America are your friends? I don't listen to those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> you know this is a pro Trump podcast, right? Does that? <laughs> oh oh dear! <laughs> Kidding! Oh, satire! I... Satire! Fuck that guy! <laughs> oh man, I thought I was in the I I might have gone the wrong code. <laughs> No offense, Podsafe America. They don't care. <laughs> but no. If they did, they would answer our emails. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just feel like that's a that's that's kind of a movie. It's like I know that's widely considered a classic of everything, and I'll see it eventually once I get done watching all those '80s movies from uh, film spotting, and you know, get back into the swing of watching other things. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out. Um, so that's my first category. What's a uh, what's one of your first blind spots? Action movies that I for some reason wasn't born before seeing them. Um, <laughs> there, there's a certain action movie in the 80s like and in 90s i guess but like aliens and terminator 2 oh those, yes those those two action movies are like it's not that they're not available to rent or available to uh, available through various streaming platforms it's for some reason i don't want to see them you want to see them on the big screen yeah i'm like that 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 might be indicative of a lot of the films i talk about but like there there is like i i want i don't want to waste i don't want to i want to give james cameron his 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 time of day i don't want to like waste those two films on like this computer screen it just seems rude yeah. I, I i have no excuse outside of that like even just watching them and like i'll be able to know the references like Game over, baby. Game over. I don't even know what that is. Uh, or, You're so or, close. You're so or, close to it. <laughs> or maybe like uh, I'll I'll return someday. I I don't know what that line is. Um, <laughs> like I, these are these are things that are culturally I am aware of, but like it's putting them in the proper context and knowing them that just drives me insane. Regardless of what I say, like, oh man, I haven't seen it in Kurosawa. If you're from Idaho and you haven't seen Terminator 2 or Aliens, <laughs> what you, you haven't doing? seen movies. Uh... <laughs> I I totally feel you though. I, I, I kind of admire this almost like purist stance you've taken on these movies. Um, I'm a because... purist. This is a Trump podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say actually one of the things... I'd read recently, I, I was reading an interview with, uh, I was skimming it really, uh, with Steven Soderbergh uh, on the Daily Beast. He's got a movie out on HBO Max and- Let Them All Talk. Yeah. Starring Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. And it's on HBO Max. So naturally people are asking him what he thinks of the whole HBO Max deal. Um, and he's got a really like, so he's got an optimistic take on it. He's kind of cool with it. But basically his, I've, I recommend people reading it themselves to know exactly what he says. Here was my interpretation of it. Uh, I might be wrong that he's optimistic because he says movie theaters won't go away because the, the big revenue stream that they were is too good to completely destroy and dismantle. Like people still want to make billion dollars off their movies. So it's going to come back in some way, but he also thinks it's a great opportunity to help like, reconfigure the business and also still give outlets to uh various platforms or various other kinds of films and artists we've always talked about how the mid-level uh oscar movie is, seems to be dead it either has to be like art house or big budget ip extravaganza but now there's like tv and limited series and going straight to streaming stuff like mm -hmm. that stuff's been a little bit elevated he also made an interesting point he says like i kind of surprised that theaters haven't kind of caught on to the idea of like really upping their repertory game you sometimes mm -hmm. see it in like major like in your regals and your amcs where they'll do like a come see tcm classic on the big screen but it's like yeah i was like i don't know i remember being a kid and seeing old movies like on big screens just as like 
just random repertory nights. Like, why don't you take more advantage of that? Like to make money, just to say like, hey, it's like rather than have all these screens and have like Star Wars be on like 10 Five of, of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, you could you could just say like still use those screens, but just, you know, maybe you wouldn't make as much money, but just to give people the opportunity to be like, hey, we're doing a, a like it's the 40th whatever anniversary of Aliens. So come see Aliens on a big screen with big sound and big pictures. Make a night of it. Um, that would that would be super cool. I, I agree. I, I Boise is in the last five years. So what it's been since I've moved away, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, they've been starting to bring back repertory things. They had a very yeah. beautiful theater called the Egyptian Theater, which I have very fond memories of going like skipping the last day of class to go see the first premiere of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, Oh, no, less cool, but okay. (laughs) Hey, it was, it was 2000. It it was pretty great back then, but, uh, and plus the memory of just walking from school to a movie theater was something that I have kept to my heart. Oh, that's cool. I could have for a very long time. It was a bit, it was a bit of a hike, but yeah, it was definitely within walking distance. My high school was, like a mile-ish from uh, the mall where the big multiplex is in St. Charles. So I think, yeah, there's at least once or twice in my life, I'm sure I've walked over to that mall from high school and watched a film. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. there used to be a smaller theater even closer to my school, but that closed before I even, uh, that closed like midway through my high school tenure, which is a a shame. Speaking of which, though, speaking of 80s classics, my next mm-hmm. category of blind spots is um, devoted to one actor, um, Eddie Murphy. Now, ah! <laughs> this year, I, I did finally break, <laughs> break off the, the seal of 80s Eddie Murphy classics. I finally watched Beverly Hills Cop, um, which I think is a great showcase for Eddie Murphy, but sorry, also mostly just an okay movie. <laughs> it's I think it's fine. I think Eddie Murphy is clearly a star and has a lot of great moments in it, but, and there's definitely some cool stuff in the margins if you want to argue about, but otherwise I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But I still would like to see, cause that Eddie Murphy is probably those movies. We're talking 48 hours, uh, trading places, coming to America, movies that I haven't seen that people in various offices I've worked at go, I can't believe you haven't seen that yet. It's always the top of mind when I think of movies like Blind Spots, like what's a movie I haven't seen that people are like, what do you mean you haven't seen XYZ? Uh, so yeah, those three movies, I don't know when I'll get to them, but <laughs> I, would, I would like to someday. Um, I, I've also broken off after we saw... Colette and I saw Beverly Hills Cop together this past summer. We also watched the stand-up special where he's in a red leather suit, which has not aged well in terms of political correctness. Is it, wait, it's raw or delirious? Delirious, delirious. Okay, yeah. Like the clips I've seen from it are like sexist, homophobic and, and not funny. I'm, I'm not going to argue otherwise. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, you could argue for some defense in some way about his age and just the times being the times and obviously things are different now, but mm-hmm. yeah, watching it today, I had a lot of the similar feelings. I will, spoiler alert, this is probably lame to try to share like a joke from a standup special or a moment, but the one part that we 
that Colette and I thought was super funny and also fits everything we're saying about being kind of offensive mm-hmm. is in the middle of some joke, there's some pause and some woman in the audience shouts out, do Mr. Rogers. And then immediately some man in the audience just goes, shut up, bitch. <laughs> and it just, everyone just dies, Eddie included. And just, Eddie just goes like, I didn't, you didn't know I could throw out my voice. <laughs> But that, that, I mean, right there, the, the best joke of the line wasn't even from him. That, <laughs> that's, that's pretty. It was, I mean, again, it's, that's a problematic bit because you probably shouldn't have shot, shot it to that woman that way. She also yeah. shouldn't have shot it in the middle of a comedy show. But it was just the weirdest, most random, literally kind of like raw and delirious moment that delighted us. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that the other movies will be because people who are like a decade older than us who actually like grew up in the 80s like swear by those eddie murphy movies as like touchstones and classics and yeah even as a fan of comedy those just weren't my touchstones growing up someone on some comedy podcasts was saying too that stand-up is especially a vulnerable genre and not really not really prone to standing the test of time because people change and what people find funny has always changed um so even like specials from like five years ago will probably like have something would be like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny how like quickly switches can flip between like, this guy's a genius for this guy is really like at best complicated. What do you mean? Louis CK is always going to have the test of time. <laughs> yeah. Him and Dave Chappelle are always right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is your next uh, blind spot or blind spot category? My next category is westerns interesting yes this is a genre i'm also i think lacking in i think i did like a a few years ago matt and i did a kind of film challenge of sorts via facebook meme that he found throughout the year and one of the thing challenges was to find a film from a genre you don't normally watch and because i was on letterboxd at the time i just went okay of all the things I've logged, I went through each of the genre tags and picked the genre that I had the least logged on. And Westerns was that thing as well. So you are not alone. Yeah, Western, it's it's a shame because like there's so much good cinema in that genre. Like there, I, I've, it's not like I have a distaste for it. It's, but like, cause John Ford has made great films in that genre. Uh, Fucking Clint Eastwood's entire career is built off that genre. And I, I say this specific title because it's probably considered the greatest Western, even though it, some people will will be debate about that. But my the blind spot I'm picking for this is The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, okay. I what was funny is in my head, I was like, I think he's gonna say this. I think he's gonna say this, and you didn't say this so were you thinking the searchers was I that was the other thinking one? the searchers good for you i i it's either the searchers or the good about the, the ugly and andy i let me show you something real quick okay sam's getting up from his desk going to his dvd shelf he's looking uh, he's oh, uh yeah. he's andy. mooning me for some reason i don't know what that's I all about <laughs> this copy <gasps> yeah this seen like two disc collector set my dad has that exact set. Every father does. <laughs> it, it comes with cigars. It comes with like a baby blanket. It comes with a little cowboy hat. Uh, 
But it's also sad because like I've had this DVD, Andy. I yeah. own this. This is something that I do not borrow. Uh, it, I was, it was given to me by my cousin, Tom. I'm so sorry if you're hearing for this for the first time. Welcome to the podcast. But also, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I, have not op- I have not watched this gift you've given me since I was 14. It's, it's been on my shelf and I haven't seen it because it's people don't, people don't talk about this, Andy, but it is a fucking lawn movie. People is, do talk about that. Come on now. Yeah, you're, but like when you sit down, like, oh man, I'm going to watch this little, I'm going to watch a Western and sit back. And like, like it's, it's like almost three hours. And like, I'm not, I'm not like, I can sit down and watch a movie that long. I just got to like, every time I'm in the mood for something like that, I re like, the time and the patience and the effort. And then I also remember like, oh, I have to add 20 minutes to whatever time. Cause just like, I gotta get up to the bathroom. I sometimes I'll write notes. Sometimes I'll rewind a lot. And then like, I, it just ends up being a shift at work for a little bit. Like you're kind of, you're watching, you're watching something and giving it more patience and more time than you have any other things in that day. And you feel like you're kind of spent at the end, but like, this is one of those movies that every time I wake up in the morning, turn left and see my shelf, it's fucking staring right at me. It's Dude. screaming at me like, come on, it's five o'clock in the morning. What are you going to do? Go to bed? No, wake up, watch this movie, goddammit. And I still have it. <laughs> I still have it. It's a weird sign of insanity. No, Wait, dude, what? I relate so hard to this. There's There are a couple things I'm totally like, I totally I, feel you. I did the math, Andy. I did the math. I had like, uh, I, on Instagram, I did this video. I watched, I have uh, six films on Netflix on my list. Amazon Prime, I have nine. Shutter, I have like 12. Criterion, I have 42 fucking things. Um, all of these are films I want to see, I have not seen. But yet, when I go to the library, Andy, mm-hmm. every time... I end up with a pa- a stack of films this big. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. That is like that is like eight DVDs. It's insane because like some of these I'm probably not gonna watch. I'm checked. I looked at it like, look, I'm not gonna see the clock inside the house with walls. I'm not gonna see that. What the <laughs> fuck is Atomic Blonde? Uh, the double? More like the single. Uh, <laughs> uh, careful, man. Someone might want to check that out after you. I've heard good things about Atomic Blonde, but yeah, that feels like a later on a low key night. I I realize I've I've been watching movies. I've been trying to stick to like if I want to watch something, let's clear my watch list. Let's stick to something that I put on my letterbox watch list. With the exception like Colette doesn't have to be subjected to that. So Candyman came up because I mentioned Nia DaCosta, and she was like, "I want to watch Candyman. Have you ever watched Candyman?" I said, "Great, I." I'm willing to watch anything, especially if she wants to watch it. Your Good, the Bad, the Ugly for a long time was my Godfather Part 3. And this year is the year I finally watched Godfather Part 3. I know, there I've seen Good, Bad, and the Ugly, and I've definitely finally seen Godfather Part 3. They are not the same caliber of film. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're both long, and they're both made by white guys well guys that Legend- we all revere legendary filmmakers they're both legendary favorite. italians even too italians hey we love the italian pantaloons but i <laughs> but i had like the uh the dvd set of godfather uh since i was 14 
And I'd watched one and two a bajillion times and never bothered getting to three until this year. Is it worth the wait? (sighs) Um, It's okay. I'm kind of now, because Francis Ford Coppola did a re-edit of it um, very recently, I'm kind of curious to see what that's like. Um, but part of the reason was my, uh, one of my best friends, uh, shout out to Kay Johnson. Uh, she loved Godfather, but for some reason, Godfather part three was her favorite. She's very contrary in that way. She it's basically, mm. I think it can boil it down to, she has a big old crush on young Andy Garcia. So, I mean, I get it. He's a very handsome man. He is. He's quite handsome in this movie. So I was always waiting for the day, kind of like Good, Bad, and Ugly. Like I was waiting for the moment, the occasion where her and I would hang out, sit down, and give ourselves the three hours to watch your favorite Godfather. And then you know, life happens, and it just it never happened. So I don't know. I think it was my one thousandth movie I logged this. Oh wow! Or yeah, it was. It was a big. It was like a big counter occasion on my letterbox. Like oh, this number's coming up. I should watch something crazy or like momentous or some blind spot. So yeah, I, I hear you on that, on that uh, good, bad and the ugly thing. And I, I wish you luck on it. I think you should give it a try, but yeah. And I, I, I hope you aren't as um, yeah. Dreading it as much like, cause I, I feel like I've got given movies unfair shakes by feeling like, Oh, this is taking forever. Like I kind of couple back with your earlier category. I would like to rewatch Lawrence of Arabia on a big screen sometime because I watched it at home on DVD and it was fine and I, I I admired it, but I also feel like I may have missed something and it would be better to watch it on a huge, huge screen in the middle of an afternoon. I I have in the middle of an afternoon. <laughs> I, I definitely, Lord's Arabia was a blind spot for me for a while until I moved to Chicago and then it, where repertory houses were more of a thing here. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially with the music box. Ah, uh, the music box screen. That would have been great. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it all in the music box with a couple of friends, and I was instantly teleported back to the year it came out. It was definitely like so cool. It was so. It was so insane. Like it's so. There is something to say. Like making a film and then making a film meant for the big screen. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know how to use your tools and your canvas well. And I think that is like such a great example of composing for the big screen in mind. And also just, it, it gives you, it. In, hmm, I'm trying to think of what I'm going to, I know what I'm trying to say, I just want to say it right. You get the editing power in this episode, so you can make yourself sound as smart as you want. Hey. Howard Stern was right. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, it, it was, um, ah, man, I, I'm going to move on. It, I, it was, it's, it's okay. gone. I'll just let it slip that though. But like, I, I, I know what you mean. The film, the film though, I, I can't imagine seeing that on a smaller screen than what I saw it. When I, Fair. when I watch it, I always imagine it in the same like ratio aspect oh, ratio wow. that it's been. And it's so awe inspiring to watch that cut that like that like famous like quick cut to the sun the desert uh in in like how it was intended and like it's so it's awe-inspiring like it's such a it's like seeing it's like seeing 2001 again like well you know you're not going to be disappointed by it (laughs) 
your story about seeing a great old repertory film at the music box is very similar to uh, when Statman Matt came Stat to Man Chicago. Matt. Came to Chicago for a day one summer or one morning, and we had we had brunch at a nearby restaurant, the music box, and then we saw. Uh, do you remember that 2001 print that was be- touring around that like uh, Christopher Nolan handled and like remastered using like as much 60s era stuff as he could? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we watched that print. And I mean, it's 2001 on a big screen. It was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like that. That's like a fucking film ride almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the 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 finale is entirely meant to be seen on a big screen. I'll move on to the next category then. We've, okay. we've spent a lot of time with this. But on a similar note, this next category I've considered, there's uh, two specific films and one kind of director I've kind of lived, put into uh, the 70s of mm-hmm. so if, uh, classic films uh, that I haven't seen. Although I think actually one of these is technically 1980, but uh, whatever. In, in the yeah. theme of life, I feel like it's more, you kind of associated with the 70s uh, milieu. I've not seen The Last Picture Show by Peter Bogdanovich. Oh. I've not seen The Deer Hunter, another super long movie. I haven't seen that either. I've not seen a single film by John Cassavetes. So I've also not seen a single film by John Cassavetes. I don't think we have to feel bad about that now. Why not? What what, what happened? <laughs> I, we I don't we have to cuz we know it's something that it's mutual shame. Okay. We don't yeah. have to feel like bad that we haven't seen it, but I'll cross it off then. He'll never be watched. <laughs> Fuck you, <No>. Cassavetes. <laughs> no, I'd like, to, I'd like to see this stuff. I know they did a whole marathon in uh, film spotting. I think it started, did that happen while I was working there? I don't recall off the top of my head, but it was, it was either right, they either ended it when I started or like right before I started. So I didn't follow along with them. And I haven't really followed along with a lot of the marathons until, until fairly recently. So, mm. I mean, you could, like Agnes Varda, I, I, there's a lot I should watch of her and others. Sasha did Ray, so on. But yeah, those are three that popped in my head. That's like, these are classic movies that I haven't seen, seen. And I know I've, I've seen the beginning, like th- I've seen the wedding scene of the deer hunter. Cause I know my dad had it on VHS, like an actual VHS, not a bootleg uh, one he bought. I watched up to when they went started, when they cut to Vietnam. Um, but I've not seen the rest of the movie. Uh, so someday I'll finish the deer hunter. I'm sure it'll also come up when I, again, decide which classic movie list I follow in my movie <laughs> watching when I get done with the whole eighties movie fiasco. Um, but yeah, uh, those are three movies I'd like to see. The, my, my pick then is going to be the 400 blows. Seen it, but also it's the entire, uh, like, French new wave movement. Like, it's just, I don't want to get it wrong. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to start watching an avant-garde film and then just like, what is this pretentious bullshit? Ah, throw it on the other side. All <laughs> film, film, all French new wave is garbage. And they're all struggling to like, just tell a simple story. But like, I like, it's just one of those things. Like, I, I like experimentation. I like to see the, the mode like changed and moved. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the French New Wave is probably the most uh, aggressive uh, yeah. and mo- most like out and loud about its changing of film and like the stylizations and trying to figure out what film can do. But for some reason, it, it goes to that weird like homework level thing of like it's like the 400 Blows is not just 
a movie about uh, a kid walking around France. It's more than that. Like there's, there's, it's so much of like, uh, there's so much historical thing and so many like game changing things that are hung up on that, on these films that I just, it, it seems like if I watch it and I'm not in the exact correct mindset, like, I feel like I'm not going to appreciate it. And that, that's, that goes with, uh, Truffaut's films. That also goes with all of, Je- uh, Jean-Luc Godard's films, mm-hmm. um, Brisson, stuff like Brisson, that. Louis Mal, like there, there's so many names to choose from, but like the Foreign Blows, I think is like one of those films that like I, I'm surprised I haven't seen it. Like so many of my, so many of the things I love have referenced it and have like, like pointed back to it so many ways that like every time I scroll down, I'm like, is this the day I'm gonna watch it? And it always ends up being no. Yeah, that's that's tough. I know what you, I know what you mean. And I, I, I kind of want to validate some of your fears a little bit, but also try to like alleviate this. Be like, you should still give it a try. But at the same, but I guess part of what validate the fears is to just, I'm trying to keep an open mind as I sometimes watch classics to be like, you know, not everything has to work for me. Um, I personally like, yeah, I think Four Hundred Blows one should watch um just for to be a part of the conversation yeah but also i admit it's not my favorite of the classics i've seen um mm. i'm trying to think of like what of that mold i really did respond to i think breathless is cool um, i've heard people like say breathless is also cool but like yeah, I, i've also cool. i'm also like a little bit i'm intimidated by jean-luc Godard in general because he has such a smugness about <laughs> his filmmaking that like or that like if you don't get it i feel like it's my fault (laughs) if i don't get if i don't get breathless i'm to blame yeah i i i i've been trying to divorce myself of that thinking as well i'm not trying to like scold you for that but like just to say like i totally know what you mean and i'm trying to get over get over it myself i'm trying to find this i remember hearing a interview with Patton oswald um is it the criterion one where he talks about how he wishes uh how he saw breathless and he was like kind of underwhelmed by it exactly yeah he thought he was expecting to like really love breathless but didn't didn't connect with it and was also expecting to really feel like say bergman and the seventh seal was a chore but found a lot to enjoy from that and i i started doing this end of 28 20 2019 and i kind of given it up a little bit at the end of this year as i try and again to watch all those 80s movies but i was doing a thing where i took the um this uh this website they shoot pictures don't they which tries to aggregate all the like best films of all time lists into one massive all-time film list and i thought like i'm gonna go from this i'm gonna go from one to back and just go as far back as i can go mm-hmm. and just to get the canon into my letterbox logs. I, I, in doing so, I've, you know, watched and rewatched 400 Blows. I've watched uh, Breathless. I've seen a couple other like Godard, like, uh, uh, oh crap. What's Weekend, Vever Versailles, like, or I'm just like saying. Yeah, Vever. A Day in the Life, that's what the English pronunciation I think is. Yeah, I've seen Day in the Life and I saw Contempt. And both of those, 
have like both of those baffled me and in to varying and my reaction is to whether i enjoyed being baffled or also not being baffled and <laughs> so I, I know what you mean about like having a certain feeling like i don't know if i get this yet and you know mm. maybe i'll get it later in life if i give it another try but i think there's also some value of knowing like look some quote unquote classics just aren't for me like i've mentioned it a couple times on the podcast i've seen three Tarkovsky films. I've seen uh, Andre Rublev, Stalker a couple times and Mir. And I just, I'm not into it. I'm, I need, I need a, I, and I'm, it's not an, it's not a slight on slow cinema because I certainly, I've enjoyed Brisson as a figure of slow cinema. I've enjoyed Ozu quite a lot. The couple films I've seen from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, uh, you know, that Paul Schrader film that quoted both those films very, very liberally. Um, I, so I can enjoy slow cinema. I just, I don't know. Tarkovsky hasn't connected with me. So don't feel bad if he doesn't connect with you is what I'm okay. trying to say. Okay. Um, I'm relinquishing my, my anger and my frustration now. Still give it a try, but also like, you know, keep an open mind, but at the same time, like if not, if things don't connect with you, you know, who gives a shit? This next uh, second to last category um, is I, I know as, as we're talking, maybe should have ranked a little lower um, if we're doing this like a top five, because I consider this, these are modern quote unquote classics. Um, so films of the past 10 years that I know have dominated film nerd discussion that I still haven't seen um, to certain extents. Um, one of those is Manchester by the Sea which I've kind of avoided because I've also like, part of it was access, part of it was kind of people telling me it was a depressing experience and part of me wanting to be like, I don't know if I want that. And then also sort of lingering, sort of like resentment toward the accusations of Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably like, do I really want to support um, a Casey Affleck project? But um, I don't know, I don't know. I've, I'll see it someday, I'm sure. But that's been a, a bug at my back the other two in this are, are wolf of wall street hmm. and uh and birdman which i remember i i dated somebody who was very much like i can't believe you haven't seen birdman and i we, can't believe you haven't seen birdman i haven't seen birdman <laughs> wait what <laughs> how do you not what <laughs> the opportunity didn't arise back at the time i think i was like mid mid-level like film nerd i hadn't like kind of redevoted myself to it like post getting uh getting into the film spotting production assistant gig like that gig that gig really kind of like ramped up my film addiction and nerdy nerdery to crazy degrees so that's fair um i was just a fan of the show and then i was in between gigs and they were looking for a pa so i was like hey i'm i'm available and i had a decent interview and the rest is history (laughs) Yeah, that's that's shocking. Um, yeah. I, it's weird because I've seen all three of those movies. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, the. I guess you can. You can rest easy about the the depressing elements of Manchester by the Sea because as sad as it is, mm-hmm. and Andy, it is almost inhumanly sad. Oh Jesus! But uh, it's it is hilarious. As for the other things, those are all very valid reasons not to watch it. <laughs> and those are all very, those are, uh, if you never sent, never see Manchester by the Sea, you can probably rest easy a little bit. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. There, and I, I, I probably should have assumed that that was true. I can't remember the movie. The, the movie I'm thinking of specifically escapes me right now. 
But there is at least one movie that I know people are like, oh, that seems super depressing. And I was waiting for it to be so depressing. But after I watched it, I was like, it's kind of funny. It's like, I can't remember what super sad movie this was. So that might- Oh, was it Jack and Jill starring Adam Sandler? Exactly right. I'm glad you, I'm glad you see me better than I can see myself. No problem, buddy. Um, is it so? So I think you got next uh, category because I already went with my modern classics. What's what's your next blind spot? There's only there's two specific ones I have down from my last two, and the first one is uh, a classic that I am that everyone will be understand that I haven't seen because it's way too long. <laughs> there's a theme. The, the theme is it's just way too long, but also it's, it's, I don't want to get Ron. And I also feel like there is no screen in any size I can imagine in my imagination or in reality uh, that exists that can ever project this film in its proper way. And mm-hmm. that is uh, Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Um, Interesting. It is a, it's a it's what everything i imagine to be is going it's an epic it's super long and it's going to be super beautiful uh these are all true i don't it's taunting me (laughs) it it feels like the older i get the more the more people are referencing kurosawa than than i ever expected like i feel like I feel like the kid who didn't do his homework before class and like, Oh man, God damn it. Like <laughs> I just, every movie he makes is so prolific and so stolen from like every, like literally I don't think there's a franchise or, or a single film in the modern century that can't be traced back to a, like a Kurosawa original. Like there, he's just so probably right. Every every like Even fucking Pen- Star Wars is stolen from the fortress in the the hidden fortress. Ben and uh, Arthur owes a deal to Kurosawa. Oh yes, Ben and Arthur owes a deal. It's inspired by Ikaru mm-hmm. and Drunken Angel. <laughs> Bratz is definitely a uh, hidden fortress or um, high and low kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still waiting for the people who make like all those Christmas movies mm-hmm. finally just say, yeah, this is Rand. Um, <laughs> we've been trying to remake Rand all this time. Um, Room is a total yo Jimbo. I don't know what our parents are talking about. We are accessible. Like <laughs> we are human. We have too many complex references. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but seven samurai, just one of those movies. I just, it's, it's so much of Kurosawa, but specifically that's like, the one that I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna watch any of his films, you should watch that one. Mm-hmm. And that one I still haven't seen, and it, it it makes fun of me every day, Andy. It's not as bad on the small screen as you think it is. I think um, I've seen it a couple times. It is it is long, but they do they have intermissions. Back in the day, they made long movies with intermissions, and God bless them for it. True. Uh, yes. I wish the Irishman had an intermission. Frankly, I was just saying that like Seven Samurai is, is definitely. It's worth the time. I think my rating is probably lower than you would think. I, 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 I didn't feel the overwhelming emotions of like, this is a classic. I just thought it was like, this is good. Yeah. Uh, which is another kind of like, yeah, again, a weird thing about watching all the classics. It's been interesting to feel like, to see like what actually like 
does kind of make me feel like a oh this is a classic this is really, yeah this is really like hitting hitting the nerve with me and other stuff that's like ranked pretty high on various lists that i'll watch and be like that was cool mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny how that works but i guess that's also what makes us all interesting unique people yeah um so yeah i i recommend giving seven samurai a, a try eventually i would say like um the the big screen i would like to watch that on a big yeah like lawrence arabia if that was somehow playing at a repertory house i would you know want to take a long afternoon and watch mm-hmm. that all on a big screen with a good group of people um someday but yeah it it still works on the small screen too um which brings me i think to my last last thing oh i i figured out what i was trying to say before the movie that i thought was going to be painful and depressing Mm-hmm. And still was slightly painful and depressing, but also hilarious. Marriage Story. Oh, Marriage Story. You're right. Super funny in lots of places. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ray Liotta is like doing a bit. <laughs> oh, god. Yeah. Um, Laura Dern is is funny in it too. Just the whole. Um, oh, but the space. <laughs> the whole run, but the space like running joke about how you know going from new york to california would be so much better um just uh, uh the the mom who played by that great actress who i know i've mentioned on previous yeah it's... conversations we have i'm gonna find her name because julie haggerty julie haggerty's her... yeah she's she's a treasure in that movie too um so it's nice to know that Manchester by the Sea is potentially a bit of a marriage story. And they're like, it's going to probably depress me and devastate me, but it also will, you know, there'll be some sugar to help the medicine go down. The last thing is there are two, when I think of blind spots, especially of like movies that I know are very widely beloved by various people, not just like critics, but friends of mine and like people I've talked with about movies semi-regularly. Um, big classic movies that uh, by directors um, who aren't entirely unfamiliar to me. I've seen other classics by these directors, um, yet are I've avoided due to these directors various um, dis, uh, indiscretions that have made them very problematic figures, very active problematic figures in today's society. And those movies are Rosemary's Baby and Manhattan. Hmm. Hmm. Have you seen either of those? I've seen both of those movies. Ah, see, huh. surprised I haven't seen Manhattan because I was a when I was in high school and trying to like declare myself a film lover. Annie Hall was very special to me. I I wonder how I'll feel about it now. I mean, I kind of wrote a bit about it, and when I saw Hannah and her sisters recently, that you know it's weird to watch Woody Allen now, kind of given what he's kind of become and what he sort of represents yeah at the time though you remember like being in high school and thinking like nerdy dudes get to get to shack up with diane keaton what a miracle yep well i don't you mean (laughs) yeah no i've definitely had that same like wait a minute woody allen isn't a good looking guy at all what is going on yeah women like being charmed and women like to be made laugh i mean I'm, I, I'm not saying I, I, that's the only reason Colette has agreed to marry me, but it's pr- probably a big reason. Andy, you're beautiful. Shut up. Damn right. 
y'all y'all are missing out on this not being a video podcast i it look it hurts to look at you you are <laughs> you are so blindingly gorgeous stop it stop it also, manhattan is not great for a Ooh. lot of reasons interesting yeah because also I, I i'm aware that a plot point of manhattan really takes his uh problematic nature in stark highlight you know him i think dating a teenager in that movie but is that one of the reasons it's not great <laughs> i mean that is definitely that's a major reason and uh, another reason i think is it's more of the same i mean if you've seen a lot of woody allen comedies mm-hmm there's nothing in here that you can't get other places, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest draw for it is the visual style and like just how the black and white photography is great. And the Gershwin opening, like that stuff is all very, very good. But like, that's like maybe five minutes. You can watch that on YouTube any old day. A lot of it is just like uh, Woody Allen being a prick and kind like not Mm. in a comedic way. Like he's being an actual asshole. It's such a the prem, like the premise alone is creepy, mm. where he's dating a high schooler and he's like a he's like a mid he's almost in his fifties. <laughs> oh Jesus! And like it's so gross and scummy and and just not not appealing. I don't you shouldn't feel bad about not watching it, but thank you. Why I know Polanski, I know a lot of his American work. I haven't seen any of his previous like pre-move to america mm-hmm. i remember watching rosemary's baby and just like being underwhelmed a lot of it interesting i see and i had a good part of the reasons i have uh, a good friend who i used to work with at my day job who i think i made this conversation like i made reference in the intro this person's one of those little people who like you know we were talking about problematic artists mm-hmm. and artists whose our opinion have changed because of the hashtag me too movement and become more aware and woke people in society. Um, you know, Roman Polanski being reminded of some of his crimes yep. um, is one of those things. And this friend who's, you know, female identify, identifies as female and is definitely a progressive person mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and a very creative minded person also just kind of said like, yeah, I know he's awful, but I do love Rosemary's baby. And like, was trying to argue for it. It's like, it's still like a really good film. And I know here, I know some of the arguments about like, especially for movies, like separating art from the artist. Like Mm -hmm. it's not like, is it one person's fault? An entire movie is problematic. Like given that a movie is such a collaborative uh, experience, perhaps one, if I watched Manhattan one day, I could be more enthralled by the cinematography or the performance rather than there's like, and still like, it's the equivalent of like going to a person's bad one person show and being like, I love the lighting. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You were, comp- yeah. you were always visible. Um, and there's, there's, there's that element. There's also sort of the element. Kinda, I remember someone talking about uh, reading a thing about uh, my older Michael Jackson singles and the, <laughs> the, the writer talked about how, you know, obviously like thinking about Michael Jackson is very, very complicated nowadays. Um, but he still like excuse like for me personally like I can still excuse like giving this a high rating and still playing it because I don't feel like the music itself is like built upon the the nature the things that make him complicated and problematic and and also you can might even argue if you want to get like legalese about it's like I mean you're talking about like the seven like off the wall era singles and some of the thriller stuff and just being like 
I don't, it's like, I don't think he was like the accusation based on what we know from what people have accused him. Like this stuff probably came out before all those. He mm-hmm. started acting out in, uh, in awful destructive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps you can kind of take that part in your head. Maybe you can think like, all right, so Rosemary's baby was made before he, uh, before he statutorily raped, uh, some but Roman Platzi's uh I don't even think it's statutory rape. I don't know. I I've I'm not a lawyer and I have not a, a big expert on this. I just know sh- shady accusations. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's there's something that could still make one want to watch it. At the same time, mm-hmm. in, in spite almost to like throw out the whole concept of this list of like these are movies I I feel sort of embarrassed that I haven't seen, uh, despite being a cinephile. There's so many movies to see in the world. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I I can kind of I feel like I can still like I can still hold back and kind of wait for maybe these old men to die, <laughs> and then I can. <laughs> so feel, you, yeah. Like, so you just know that like they aren't personally benefiting from you watching them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had the thought too that like while watching Hannah and her sisters, I mean that's an Oscar-winning movie, and Woody Allen's such a part of like just film culture history and comedy history like that's like he's an american like you can't talk about american comedy without mentioning his name you can't really talk about certain like especially film of the 70s and uh without roman polanski i mean chinatown still chinatown still is good i I, i'd reach watch chinatown and still think like i still think it's a really good movie and like there's again enough goodness to separate like the deeds from like I feel it's it's somehow easier to be like this is a good movie and Roman Polanski's a, probably a monster, um, yeah. so yeah I've I don't know those are those are movies that I I'm sure also I'll eventually watch someday because as I go through one of these greatest movie of all times lists they're gonna come up yeah so. I'll I'll have to deal with that when I can. Maybe I think I'll I think if Colette were here too, she might give me a look and imply to like, you don't have to watch these, you know. There's no yeah, law. So true. it's possible one could just again skip these until I feel more secure in my in my opinions on these people and how I will approach these. Maybe they're gone and there's no like way they can benefit from this. Maybe I'll just steal them in some way. I don't know. Well, you can also rest easy knowing that uh, out of all the films that Woody Allen has made, he is actually most embarrassed by Manhattan. Is that a fact? Yes. He's has, even... he's, has he seen Cafe Society? <laughs> I, I mean, like, this is uh, this is going off a Woody Allen documentary I saw a couple years ago, but he has said that he was so, he after finishing Manhattan, he was so embarrassed by it that even offered like the studio to never release it wow he would do a movie for free like he'll just direct (laughs) a movie completely for free and just like please do not release this movie yeah it's terrible and everyone was looking at him like what are you talking about and i after seeing it like oh he was right like (laughs) that's hilarious i forgot is that was that that big four-hour documentary that came out about his whole career yeah, it was one that he w- that he was commissioned almost. It seems like, but yeah, yeah, that he actually like was interviewed and participated in. Yes, yeah, I think I've seen that like years ago. But yeah, it's one that I have on my list. Here it comes. Is a singular? Is a, wait, what? 
Here it comes. I'm ready for it. All right. The last one on my list is Cries and Whispers. Oh, by wow. Amar Bergman. Yeah, yeah. I have not seen it. It's funny because I, I thought about putting on like, obviously there's a lot of Bergman I haven't seen either. Um, and I thought about putting like various Bergman titles, but kind of also chalked down. It's like, I'll get to those eventually. I've seen some of the big Bergmans that I truly enjoy and would recommend to others. So I feel like I've seen, I've seen enough, not enough, but like, um, yeah, Cries and Whispers is on my list. I would love to see that. It is number one on my list of like films that I haven't seen. People forget. Sorry. I say people, I forget. (laughs) I I forget sometimes on how much of a joy it is to watch Bergman movies. Yeah. He's, he makes like 90 minute epics. Mm-hmm. So, so flaw, so like effortlessly. We're talking like you've seen Persona, right? I've seen Persona. Yeah. Oh, that movie yeah. is like amazing. It's amazing. 90 minutes though. Amazing 90 minutes. Oh, but God bless. You don't, you don't feel like you're wa- like, even like at the end, you're not the same after you've seen that movie, like Persona, you know, like, oh, my brain has been fucked with way too much. And I now yeah. know, like, like, and you're kind of shocked by the, the runtime of it a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that was like, I feel like I went through an entire like game changing experience <laughs> there. Uh, Cries and Whispers, though, is probably the ones that I have, I have not, I know nothing about. Interesting. Like I, I like I can kind of t- like out of all the films of this list, like the good, the bad, the ugly. You can kind of guess. Like you can see the poster. It's a, it's a fucking western movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven Samurai. There's gotta be a samurai in it, right? <laughs> There's gotta. Cries and whispers. That could be anything. What is that? Like, it's I... so vague and so like like daunting. And <laughs> what the fuck is it? Like, this I... is a great take you're having right now. I really, I really enjoyed this take. <laughs> Like literally, I have never seen it. I have purposely avoided anything about learning about this film because I don't want the the secrets to be spoiled, I guess. Like it's a film that is so prolific, but I don't know why. And I can't wait to see. I, yeah, you've made me want to watch this now too. I'm just looking up on my letterbox to see what Bergman I have logged. And, you know, speaking in, again, in, in praise of Bergman, uh, yes. I think I've just logged four of his films uh, in the in the post letterbox era of my watching. Uh, mm. I've seen Persona a couple times, and I've seen Winter Light and Wild Strawberries. I also watched the theatrical version of Fanny and Alexander, not the like nine hour TV version, and that's a long movie. But mm. also Bergman, my God, Fanny and Alexander, even in like a cut for theatrical version where I'm sure there's like a lot of story and character that's left on the wayside mm-hmm. just by virtue of math. Um, my God, what a, what a sweeping, what a humane, what a kind of like, like a, what a, it's like a great novel on film, Fanny and Alexander. It's man. Have you seen Fanny and Alexander at least? No, dude. It's like, it's kind of Christmas theme too. So if you, if you got four hours to kill, try, try it on the Criterion channel. I, I love this reasoning. I love this idea that like the thing that's been bugging you the most is this Bergman film because you don't know what it is. Yeah. I have like, it's so, like, it's escaped me so much. And I've seen, I've ran it from the library countless times with the hopes of watching it. Like this is the day I'm going to watch it. And every time I either have I've started or I've like looked at the disc and it's like kind of scratched. <laughs> You're like, fuck, this is, I'm definitely mad that I'm not going to see this movie this way. But I fucking um, hate that when it happens too. Like I, I think because of one of those, uh, that, that, uh, they shoot pictures list. I, uh, 
went through all nine hours of Shoah, that's the super long documentary about the Holocaust. And like the disc, one of the discs I got early on was Scratch too. And I'm just oh. like, but at the same time, because I'm a fucking compulsive film addict, yeah. instead of just like skipping this, be like, look, I get it. The Holocaust is bad. Let's move on. <laughs> but um, <laughs> my worst take ever on tape. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to all. Oh man. I. I'm not. I'm not here to throw shade on Shoah, which is, which is, which was a powerful and an educational experience. I definitely got things out of it. Um, so, cries and whispers. <laughs> cries and whispers, man. Yeah. Go ahead and list off again. Um, so, in the we'll get to it category, there's various Spike Lee, Hitchcock's, and Adventure of Robin Hoods. Um, I mean, there's also I a, an even bigger list of movies I haven't seen, like from Charlie Chaplin um from ozu oh i haven't seen easy rider uh i forgot to bring that up um and i think that'll come up in things i haven't seen a lot of eddie murphy uh 80s cat 80s comedies um like trading places coming to america in 48 hours um i haven't seen last picture show deer hunter anything by john cassavetes i haven't seen birdman we're in the modern classics now wolf of wall street and manchester by the sea and I probably won't be seeing these if this conversation has taught me anything for a while, um, but I'll still have a bug in my back about Manhattan and Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, all those films, uh, you shouldn't feel... There are some classics there that I think are pretty important, but there are some that I think you are entirely too hard on yourself about. Um, okay. I think we're, we're both kind of the same way, I guess. Uh, mine... Uh, my films are Alien and are aliens in Terminator 2, James Cameron action film films I haven't seen, uh, the Westerns, uh, specifically The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, 400 Blows, but predominantly all of the French New Wave films, uh, Summon Samurai, Kurosawa in general, Big Blind Spot, and Cries and Whispers. What is that movie about? I have no idea. <laughs> it could be anything. It could be about a kindergarten teacher. It could be an actress. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, hey, Bergman, surprise me. Let's make a pact to try to, in the next, let's give us a lot of time. Let's say like, cause we're- Before we're the end of the year. Let's no, really? End of 2020? Wait, is that, <laughs> before what do you mean? The, I was thinking like before the end of 2021, maybe we could like knock off, knock off a good chunk of these movies. Oh, absolutely. In okay. The, although I will say, Andy. Uh-oh. When will I have time to watch Cries and Whispers? When I gotta watch uh, the house with Rocky, the, clock in the, wall. <laughs> the first Rocky, and also All Is Lost. A what year if- is a long time, and we've watched. And the pandemic, while hopefully will be cleared up and we'll be back to quote unquote normal life by the end of by this time next year. Mm-hmm. I pre- we got a lot of time to hang out in our houses and watch movies. So that's true. That's true. Um, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Absolutely, Andy. Uh, thank you so much for mean with me over zoom again to do this really silly episode likewise if you enjoy what you hear please rate and review us if you don't enjoy what you hear please rate and review us um let us have it uh fucking be be brutal yes send us comments at filmmarykill at protonmail.com find me on twitter at filmmarykill and on letterbox at kinetic android you can find me on letterbox at sam underscore lounsbury and on twitter uh at sam lounsbury Sam Lounsbury. Sure, sure. You know your name. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I do. I do. 
<laughs> and yeah, we'll we'll be back to normal stuff next week. Uh, we'll see you then on film. Mary, Mary kill. kill. Oh.